chapter 4. A familiar story, parable that Jesus told, but one of the most fundamental, one of the most foundational and important lessons we can learn as the people of God are found in the words that Jesus gives us in this parable in Mark chapter 4. We're going to read the, if the Lord, if, if I can get through it and don't go too long, we're going to read the whole chapter. But I want to begin in verse 1. It says, again, he began to teach by the seaside. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And then he taught them many things by parables. And he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened that as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. It yielded no crop. Other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, you're familiar with the parable of the sower, and in just a little while, I don't really have to explain the parable because the good news is Jesus, just in just a moment, lays it out and explains everything he's talking about to the disciples. But before we get to Jesus' explanation for what this means, I want you to notice the first word Jesus says in verse 3. He says, listen. Because that word's foundational for everything you're going to read going forward in this teaching. Listen. And that means perk up. Lean forward. We might say it this way now. Tune in. You know, you can be somewhere and not really be there. It happens all the time. You can be somewhere but not really be present. Your body's there, but your mind isn't. Your heart's not engaged. Uh, unfortunately, some of us in this room today, and I understand how hard it is. I've sat in pews and chairs myself through the years, so I understand. But for some of us, we can be in church, and the Word of God's going forth, and somebody right next to us is getting blessed like crazy. God's just speaking to their heart. And we don't even know what's going on because we can't slow our mind down. We're thinking about work tomorrow. We're thinking about what's coming up at the end of the week. We're, we're, we're thinking about what we've got to do maybe when we leave here today. Maybe something happened. The devil is a master at this. He will cause you to get a phone call right before you leave for church on Sunday morning. He'll cause you to go crossways with your husband or your wife right before you get in the car or in the car on the way to church. And then you'll get in church and all you can think about is what you were just arguing about. Yes, I've, we've done that. <laughs> we qualify. We've been there, done that. So we're here but we're not really here. And it doesn't matter whether it's church or anything else. What is key for us is to truly be engaged where we are at that moment. You know, multitasking is so celebrated nowadays. It's like any job interview you go on, they want to know if you're a good multitasker. And if you can tell them that you can, you know, balance all kinds of things at once, it just seems like you've got an inroad to getting the job. And, and I guess there may be some good qualities to that, and I suppose there are times we have to be able to do that. But of a truth, I think we're losing something because of how much we try to do so many things at one time. We're never able to singly focus on what's really important. And often in the Bible, we don't see the Lord telling us to do this, do this, do this, and all these things. We see him talking about one thing. Jesus talks to, to, to Martha because she's upset that her sister is sitting at his feet while she's up busy serving while Jesus is in the house. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are encumbered about. That means you're weighed down. You're burdened down with many things. Now, understand, and I've said this before, and this is not the, the key, but I want you to get this. What Martha was doing was good. What she was doing was helpful. What she was doing was needed. The problem was it wasn't right for that moment. 
There was nothing wrong with her getting the house straight. There was nothing wrong with her getting the food ready to feed the master, but not while Jesus is speaking. And he said, Martha, Martha, one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that one thing, and it will not be taken away from her. One thing, focus on what I'm here for. Focus at this moment. On what I'm saying, the psalmist David, who was a man after God's own heart, said, this one thing I have desired, this one thing, not these 10, 20, 50, this one thing I've desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That I may just feast here in His presence. When they asked the blind man who was healed about what happened and who did it, he said, well, I don't know about this man who healed me, but this one thing I do know, this one thing I do know, <laughs> I once was blind, but now I can see. And he's telling the Pharisees, he says, I'm not going to focus on all your little religious arguments that you've got going on here about who he is. All I know is I was blind before, I can see now, and that's the one thing that matters, one thing. One thing. So, so often in Scripture, we're kind of called to a single focus. Jesus said, seek ye first in the center, at the core of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these other things, talking about the cares and the concerns of life, the things we really need, will be added unto you. Here he says, listen, lean forward, tune in, get focused, get engaged, perk your ears up, listen, and then he says something else, very next word, behold. It's interesting that the first two things he says before he tells the parable is listen and watch. Listen and look. Open your ears and open your eyes. If we don't learn to open our ears and open our eyes, we can be right in the middle of the presence of God and never get anything. And that is what is happening, I believe, to an entire generation of believers. We're in the middle of you can, we've got great teaching, we've got great music, we've got great worship. If, I mean, you can go, you can listen to it on your podcast, you can, you can get it on, on your phone, you can go to conferences, you can go to conventions. We're, we're surrounded, we have access to so much that generations before us did not have access to as easily, and yet we're so surrounded by it, we don't really focus on it. We're not really listening, we're not really engaged, we're not really focusing our eyes in to truly see what God is wanting to say to us in a given moment in time. So the first two things he says are open your ears and listen. Open your eyes and look, observe, focus in on what I want to say to you. And then, of course, he gives the parable about the seed. Now, before I get into that, let's look at verse 10. It says, but when he was alone, this was for the crowds, he tells this parable, when he was alone, those around him with the 12, his disciples, asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to his disciples, to the ones who stayed around long enough to ask, to the ones who were interested. So here's what I want you to understand. There was a whole multitude of people listening. They all heard the parable. And the Bible says about Jesus' teaching that everybody marveled at his teachings. They said, this guy preaches and teaches as somebody who has real authority. And they, they marveled at the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the healings that he did and how he multiplied the loaves. They loved to get a free lunch, you know, multiply the loaves and the fishes. They were excited about that. They were hoping he would be their political king that would overthrow Rome. And so they were really excited about what Jesus might do in the future. But I want you to recognize there were hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands and thousands of people listening to this parable And all but a few walked away thinking, well, that was good, not really understanding anything about it and not caring to ask. How many times have we done that? Whether we're listening to something at home, we're doing our devotions, we're studying the Word of God, we come to church, whatever it is, we listen to something, well, that was good, well, I didn't really get anything of that. And then we walk away and never think about it again. There's something I'm beginning to understand. This is not a great revelation, but I want you to understand something. It's it's, it's basic. It's elementary. But God is sovereign. I believe that with everything I have. That means he's in control. That means there is not a single individual in this room today by chance. You are here on purpose. You are here for a reason. And if God has you here for a reason, the God who put you here knew exactly what I was going to talk about today. He knew every song we were going to sing today. 
See, where I think I'm picking something out or I'm doing, God sovereignly, I believe, understands it. So that means there's something here for everybody here. And it's not here because I'm a great communicator or I'm a great preacher and the songs weren't great meant for you because we're great musicians and we're great singers or any of that. It's because God sovereignly knows what he's doing. He puts you here for a reason and he loves you so much that he has something for you today. But it's not necessarily going to be something you get a hold of unless you listen and behold and care enough to dig. The disciples, just a few of the crowd, stayed around. And they said, Lord, explain to us what you mean. Otherwise, I want to make sure I'm getting this. I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. Lord, teach me. And so Jesus makes this awesome statement. To you, not just to the 12 disciples, because there were more than the 12 there, but to you, to who? To those of you who are hungry enough thirsty enough, longing enough, desirous enough, wanting to know what God wants in your life. To you, the mystery or the secret of the kingdom of God, that's the power of God, the rule of God, the reign of God, and the life of God tangibly displayed on earth in your life. To you, the secrets are given. But to those who are outside, otherwise the ones that just really don't care to seek or find or focus or desire, I speak to them in parables. So that seeing, they may see and not perceive. Hearing, they may hear and not understand. Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. Now, that sounds harsh. It almost sounds like Jesus is saying, well, you know, I'm just on purpose hiding some things from the crowd, and I just want to give it to you. This is secret elite. I don't really care. They can see it. Not, they're just, uh, or they might, hey, they might actually get right, and I don't really want them to do that. That's what it sounds like, but that's not what that means. What he's saying is simply this. To those who desire to know what I'm doing and what I desire, to those who will seek me, they will find me. To everyone who draws near to me, I will draw near to them. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Ask and ye shall receive. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, it will be open. There is a scripture that says, don't throw your pearls before swine, lest they turn and rend you. And what that literally means is you don't give the deep treasures of your life to people who don't care anything about your life because they will take it and disregard it and trample it. And Jesus is saying, I have some things that will radically change the world and change your life. I have power that can be displayed in your life to turn everything around, but I'm giving this secret. Anybody can have it, but it's only those who will listen and open their eyes and be hungry that will ever do anything with it. So to you, I'll give you everything you're asking for. I'll give you all the understanding you want. Because why? Because you ask. The Bible says that all those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will what? Be filled. Why? Because they hunger and they thirst. All the way back, the prophet Isaiah said, Yo, come to the waters, those who are hungry, those who are thirsty. Come, eat, and drink. The Bible says that if we'd ever just see, this is actually what Jesus said is an awesome promise. If we would ever just open our eyes and our ears, we'd be set free. He said, lest they see and hear and turn. So the key to the turn, how many of you, and you don't have to, I don't like raising hands too much, but just think, how many of you need a turn in your life? You need a turn. You need things to turn. Jesus said to those who see and hear, because the ones who don't see and don't hear and don't hunger, they're never going to understand. But I've got a key to unlock the door of the power and the rule of God on earth. One thing Jesus said about the kingdom of God, because he said, because I'm here, the kingdom is here. And he said to his disciples, the kingdom of God is within you. The rule, the power, the reign of the king is in you. And he said, if I cast out devils by the hand of the Spirit or the finger of the Spirit, then you know the kingdom or the rule of God has come upon you. So when the kingdom of God is in operation, it has the power to bind the enemy's work in your life. How many of you know you need the kingdom of God at work in your life? Well, according to Jesus, the kingdom works 
when we start opening our eyes and opening our ears, coming to a single focus and being hungry enough to not just on the first look decide, oh, well, that'll never be. How many times have we said to ourselves, oh, I'll never really ever be able to understand the Bible? Oh, I'm just not somebody who can pray. Some people can really pray, and I just can't pray. Oh, I'm just not one of those super spiritual people. I don't guess I'll ever have that kind of relationship with God. Thank God for salvation. I'm going to heaven. And yes, thank God for that. But I'll never be able to really walk with God like some people. I just can't. I just won't. I just... What have we done? We've done what most of the crowd just did. We heard the word of the Lord. But then we walked away at just that surface level. But some will be hungry enough to say, Jesus, teach me. I want to understand. And to them, Jesus says, there is a key, a secret, a mystery that's for you who will see and those who will hear. So then he explains the parable of the sower. This parable, to me, is one of the most foundational principles of the kingdom of God. That's why it's so important. So I want you to really hear what Jesus says. Do you not understand this power parable? And he's speaking to his disciples. How then will you understand all the parables? Otherwise, this that I'm teaching you here about the seed and the sower is so important. If you don't get this, how are you going to get anything else? If, if you can't understand how the seed works, it's going to be very difficult for you to ever understand how anything in the kingdom works. This is principle. This is foundational. This is key. And then he begins to explain what he's talking about. The sower sows the word. So the seed is what? The word of God. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a farmer, but I do know this. I know that when you want an, a harvest of apples or oranges or whatever you want, you go and you get the seed, which is found within the core of that fruit. You go and you get the seed. You plant it in the ground. And you have to make sure you're in a place that will, will be conducive for, the, for the, up, you know, the crop to come forth. But you plant it in the ground. You make sure it gets plenty of water. You make sure first that the soil is turned over and it's ready to receive the seed. But you put it in the ground, and eventually you expect for a tree to come up or whatever it is that you're planting, usually like when an orange and apple tree comes up, and then in that tree you're not going to just get one apple or one orange, but you're going to get all kinds of oranges and apples, and you're going to be able to eat from that fruit, and so will others. But it all comes from a little seed. you got a seed that's about that size, and then you've got a fruit that's about that size that comes from a tree it's about, but it all comes from what? The seed. Here's what we focus on. God, I need my healing. God, I need my family to walk in peace. God, I need deliverance. God, I need financial provision. God, I need peace. God, I need wisdom. God, I need you to take care of my kids, my grandkids. And those are all important things. But what we're focusing on is the fruit. What you need to focus on is the seed. Everything you need for all of the fruit that you're wanting comes from the seed, and the seed is the Word of God. Jesus told us that every that you could get a thousand orange trees with all kinds of oranges, but it all the, the, the fruit is in the seed. If you can't see that, you'll never have fruit. If you and I can't understand that everything that we need for life is packed in the Word of God, then we're never going to take the time that we need to know the Word of God. We're not going to guide our lives by the principles of the Word of God. And when we don't do that, we will not receive the fruit that we're seeking, at least not consistently. Sometimes you'll get fruit because it's a spillover from somebody else's tree. Sometimes kids get fruit because they got it from the tree of their parents. Grandparents. Sometimes you'll just get a spillover from somebody in church. Sometimes you'll get a spillover from your husband, your wife, your friends, even your kids. But if you want to produce consistent fruit in your life, it starts not with the fruit you're seeking, but the seed that you're ignoring. 
The Bible says that God's given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And then he goes on to say this. Just think about that for a second. Let me stop there. The Apostle Peter said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so we know it's true, that God's given us everything we need pertaining to this life and godliness. Everything. He's given it to us. Then he says, through these exceedingly great and precious promises, we are made partakers of the divine nature of God. That's the kingdom, the power of God, the life of God working through us today. Dispelling darkness, casting out the enemy. So we focus on fruit, and Jesus said the first thing that's important is the seed. The seed is the word. We've got, you cannot be a fruitful Christian and not be in the Word of God. Can't. Won't work. Won't work. Period. End of story. I think I can. No, you can't. Won't work. Because the seed is the Word. We have to plant the Word in the soil. You say, well, what do you mean? The Bible says that the soil is the heart of man. So the Word has to be planted in the heart. Until you get the Word in your heart, you won't get fruit in your life. And we've misunderstood what fruit is. And don't, don't get me wrong. A lot of Christians have, and because this is very deceptive, a lot of Christians have accepted not getting into the Word of God and getting fruit because they think fruit is something different than what it is. They think fruit is ministry. They think when the Bible talks about fruit, it's talking about getting people saved, getting people filled with the Holy Ghost, getting people delivered and being a missionary. And that is a fruit of your labor. But what the Bible emphasizes about fruit is found in Galatians chapter 5, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. And the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Whatever you've got going on in your life that is a problem causing you to seek after the fruit that you think is fruit, or I think is fruit, deliverance, healing, whatever, whatever it is that you need, a large part of that is taken care of when the fruit of the Spirit is active and thriving in your life. How many family problems can go away with real, genuine, biblical love flowing out of a person? Love that is patient, love that is kind, love that is not puffed up, love that does not look out for its own but looks out for the other. When we have love, which is a fruit of the Spirit, how many family issues go away? How many problems at work go away? When we, The Bible says there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Of course, the only perfect love is God's love. But when we have the love of God, even fear goes away. How much bondage and anxiety and even physical problems are caused by fear? Ultimately, the fruit of the Spirit delivers us from those things. Peace. How many physical maladies do you think are caused at the root by a lack of peace? Medical science is proving today that stress and anxiety is the core to a lot of physical problems that we're having. What happens if biblical peace rules in the heart? Well, that's a fruit of the Spirit. But fruit comes from what? A seed. And the seed is what? The Word. So here's what a lot of Christians do. They don't know what fruit is, so we sit around and say, well, that's okay, you know, God just didn't call me to be a missionary. He just didn't call me to do those things. But I'm going to heaven someday, bless God, and I'm just glad to be a part of the family of God so I can deal without the fruit. I just don't have time to get into the Word. Do you see how that deception of not knowing what fruit is can cause a lot of Christians to not have what fruit really is in their life? And I guarantee you, if you knew what the fruit really was, you'd want it. The seed is the Word. The soil is the heart. And if we are to produce the fruit that God desires in our life, we have to have the seed of God's Word in our heart. Now he goes on and he says this, the sower sows the Word. These are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. Remember the first instance. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. The seed of the word by the wayside never gets into the soil, which is the heart. It just lays on the surface. And there could be a couple of different reasons for that. One is because the ground is so hard it can't penetrate. 
Sometimes our hearts get so hard. They're hardened because of bitterness. They're hardened because of unforgiveness. They're hardened because of anger. They're hardened because of hurts that we've had in the past that we've never allowed the Holy Spirit to heal. Our hearts just get hard. So the soil of our heart, we may be under the ministry of the Word over and over and over and over again. We may be doing our devotions over, but it can't penetrate because of the hardness of the soil, which is our heart. And so the seed just lays on the ground, and the enemy's always ready. If the seed can't get in, he's already ready to come swoop it up and take it away so that the seed doesn't produce fruit. Another thing that causes the ground to not be receptive to the seed is if it hasn't been prepared. One of the Old Testament prophets talked about how important it was for us to break up the fallow ground. Meaning if the ground of your heart has been ignored, if you've not been paying attention to the issues of your heart. You know, the Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Above everything, guard your heart. Otherwise, set a sentry about the door of your inner man. Make sure that nothing is allowed into your heart that will keep your heart from being receptive to the Word of God. Because the only way you have to produce fruit from God is to receive the Word of God, which is the seed. So if we don't pay attention to our hearts, if we don't guard our hearts, if we don't keep our hearts tilled over in the presence of the Holy Spirit and prepared for the entry of God's Word, then the Word doesn't penetrate and the enemy's ready to pounce and take the seed away and nothing even gets close to being produced. The second kind of soil, and remember soil represents the heart, says they're ones who are sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves. And so they endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. There's a second kind of heart. It's a heart that the seed gets in a little bit, but it just doesn't go deep. I mean, we hear the word, whether it's at church or on a podcast or on a radio, wherever you're listening to TV, you're reading a book, whatever the case may be, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good. We receive it with gladness. Oh, that's good. Bless. Oh, good word. Good word. That's wonderful. Hallelujah. I'm going I'm to put it on Facebook. Bless God. That's a great quote. You know, that's good. That's, woo, that's good. But there's no depth. It just sets just a little bit under the surface. And the problem with that is it never develops root. And it doesn't matter who you are or how much you love God. <laughs> there are going to be problems coming in your life. And if you ever declare that you're truly going to follow God with all your heart, you're going to get a target painted right on you, and the enemy's going to come after you with everything he's got. Some of you are going through stuff right now. You need to step back and understand there is a reason you're walking through what you're walking through. Sometimes we produce it ourselves. Sometimes it's because we made a fresh commitment to God and the enemy is testing just to see, okay, just how big, are you serious? Are you serious? I don't think you're serious. Let me throw a little trouble your way. Let me throw a little persecution your way. Because of the word. Because of the word. Because of this commitment you've made. Because of this stand that you've taken. Because of the love that you, I'm going to give trouble to you. And the Bible says because there's no root, that, that seed got in and it brought forth. Oh, it was received with gladness, but there was never, that was all. We left the service, we left the book, we set it down, it was good, we celebrated, we posted on Facebook, and then we never did anything with it after that. See, if God gives you a word that just touches your heart about prayer, do you know why God gave you the word that touched your heart about prayer? Not so you can post it on Facebook. It's fine that you do that, but that's... He wanted you to pray. If God gave you a word that touches your heart about forgiving other people, do you know why God gave you that word about forgiving other people? Because you got somebody you need to forgive. If God gave you a word about compassion, don't just post it on Facebook, that's fine, and then go have compassion. 
on the first person you see. And the first, you see, when God gives you a word, he doesn't just give it to you so that you can get excited about it and say, oh, that was good, and post it on Facebook, whatever we do with it, tell somebody. He gives it to us so we can act on it. And when we begin to act on the word, we begin to nurture the word, and we begin to develop a root system. And when we develop a strong enough root system, it doesn't matter what comes against us. The fruit can still grow because the roots are there. If we never develop what God gives us, if we just simply get the word, get the word, get the word, get the it doesn't matter how much you like the preaching, wherever you are and whoever the preacher is. If you don't ever do anything with it, you never develop roots. And if you never develop roots, you will stumble quickly when the heat turns up. And Satan will definitely turn up the heat. Quick. I was just talking to someone a week or so ago, and I, I was telling them, I've learned over the years of ministry I really don't like it when the Holy Spirit gives me a word to preach that I know is going to be uh, important or whatever, tactical, strategic. Not that I don't want to preach it. It's just I know I might as well get ready because there's an attack coming. Just almost mark it down. Matter of fact, many times the attack will come in exactly the area that I preached about. Within a matter of a week, a month, here it comes. You just might as well get ready. Now, here's what a lot of Christians do. You get battle fatigue <laughs> yeah I do know that pastor I've seen that so I just don't ever talk about it anymore <laughs> I just I, I don't talk to anybody about what I hear I don't I just take it and listen to it and that's good I might post it on Facebook that's all I do with it because I'm not going to because I know I know that's not fruitful no roots grow from that you see the reason Satan attacks the word so much is he knows it has the power to produce kingdom authority and kingdom life if it is nourished and built upon. He knows that. He knows it will defeat him wherever he is at in your life and around you. And so he immediately brings and turns up the heat in your life when you start, even in a little way, to receive the word of God. The word is powerful. It's the seed that produces the fruit that brings forth kingdom power in your life. Now there's another kind of heart. And I believe that, quite frankly, this heart is where most of us find ourselves when we struggle. At least in this day and time. It says, those who are sown among the thorns are the ones who hear the word, but the cares or the troubles or the struggles of this world, this world, this time, this day, this culture, this moment, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enters in, notice this phrase, chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So here you have a heart that has received the word, it's actually gotten into the soil, and apparently it has begun to produce because there's something there to be choked out. If there was nothing to be choked out, but there's something to be choked out. So it started to show a little fruit. But the minute fruit starts to show, it's choked by something. Now, in the parable, he was talking about thorns. It was sown among thorns. Jesus said, here's the person who's sown among thorns. They receive the word. Fruit just starts to produce. But before it can really bring forth a crop, it's choked by the cares of this life the struggle, the desire for riches. Notice it says deceitfulness of riches. Riches are not evil, but they are deceptive. Because the thing about whether it's money or whether it's retirement plans or whether it's our homes or whatever it is we, we're thinking about, we think that in them, in that thing, you name it, therein lies our peace, our security, our hope. The thing is, those are just things. They can be here today and gone tomorrow. That's why they're deceitful. Because we go after it, go after it, go after it, go after it, and then poof, it's gone. In the meantime, the one thing that brings real life and fruit is the Word of God. And many times we will ignore the Word of God in pursuit of those things. The cares of this world, you just get caught up in worry. And ends up, how are we going to do this? 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 I told Tammy I didn't sleep well the night before last. I knew we'd been blessed with those tickets to the game, and I was looking forward to go to the game. And it's like, well, it's a Saturday, so I'm going to need to 
got everything done on Friday so I could just relax and enjoy the game. And, and I'm going to sleep good. Went to bed early on Saturday night. I'm going to sleep good, you know, because we might be late coming in from the game. About 2.15 in the morning, I woke up just like that, eyes wide open. And I don't know if you ever have this happen. Immediately, my mind starts running, 100 miles an hour. All kinds of what if, what if, what if, what if. Boy, that road's so bad. There's so many chuck. Boy, I hope I don't hit a chuck hole in the way. Man, I don't need to buy a new set of tires and all that kind of stuff. Just start running, running, running. Oh, man. I, you know, last time I checked the gas tank at the church, I, I didn't check it today. Oh, man. It wouldn't it be horrible if I got there Sunday and there was no gas at the church and the heat. Literally, that's literally what's going through my mind. 2.15 in the morning. What in the world am I going to do about a gas tank? I ain't going to be able to call the gas company at 2.15 in the morning. to come. They won't even come on a Saturday. It's a weekend. So if we're out, we're just out. And that's all there is to it. But I lay there for an hour and a half just, what am I going to do about the heat? Oh, man, I, I need to do this. I need to do it. Before I leave, I need to text this person. I need to call that person. I need to do this. need to do that. And then I started thinking about the house. I heard a noise. And I, what is that? Well, I wonder what that is. And I, oh, man, is this going bad? Oh, I wonder if that could be bad. I don't want to have to deal with that. And it's just go hour. I'm sitting there. My mind's just spinning, racing the cares and the cares and you know what I lost in that time my mind was racing well sleep for one thing peace for the other and the fruit of the spirit is what peace and what did the enemy bring to try to choke it care anxiety worry fear now, I tell that story because I know I'm not alone. I bet you almost everybody in this room can identify with that in some way or form. And the funny thing about it is I knew sitting there. I even told myself, I can't do anything about that this early in the morning. There's nothing I can do. You ought to just go to sleep. But you can't because you're sitting there and you close your eyes and <laughs> cares, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things. Isn't that interesting? What things? Just anything besides the one thing that matters. Not just bad things. They can be really good things. Just anything besides the one thing that gets your heart moving in a different direction where you devalue the seed of the Word of God. See, the seed of the Word in a heart that is receptive, that hears and understands, receives it, nourishes it, and acts upon it, produces fruit. But if it falls on ground that's not ever receiving it, sometimes we don't do that. We're like the first folks. You know, we just, I don't have time for that word. I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. Well, then that's, seed's gone. Don't matter. Don't matter how powerful it was, who else gets blessed and their life gets shattered. I don't believe that. Oh, I've tried that before. It doesn't work. I'm not going to get my hopes up on that again. I just, no. Seed doesn't get in at all. Or seed gets there, but it can't get through very well, can't get deep. There's no root because we don't act on it. We didn't deal with the things that made our hearts so hard. We didn't prepare the ground. I wonder who. I wonder how many times we prepare ourselves for Sunday morning. We're going to come to church. Oh, man, I need God to move in my heart. I'm, oh, boy, I hope worship's, oh, I hope worship's good. Boy, I hope Brother Lynn's got a good word today. Boy, I hope he's got a good word. I need to hear a good word from the Lord. Boy, I hope the Holy Spirit moves. I hope there are gifts that go in operation. <sighs> and we come to church, and our hearts aren't even prepared at all. And we walk out again and again and again. It's like, I sure needed something, but I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. I didn't experience anything. Unprepared soil. So seed may even get in every once in a while. Oh, that sounds good, but we weren't prepared. The heart wasn't ready, and it just goes before we ever get out of the building. Anybody had a good word ever leave you before you ever got out of the parking lot? Or it gets in, and it starts to produce, but it's choked out because of anxiety, because of worry, because of fear, because you desire so many other things. And there's, oh, we got so many things going, I don't have time. You know what, the, the thing I hear more than anything else and has been for years and years and years, I've said it myself. Oh, I know I need to do this. I know I need to spend time in the Word of God. I know I need to be in church. I know I need to pray. I know, I know but I don't have what? Time. Why? Because of the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, or... 
I just desire, let's just get real, let's get honest. I just desire this other thing more right now. And when that happens, we can't get fruit. But thank the Lord there's one more kind of heart. And this is the heart we all want. It says, the ones sown on good ground are those who hear the word. Okay, so we've we perked up our ears. We've got ears to hear. We accept. That word literally means receive. I receive the word, so I'm not rejecting it. I take it in. I believe it. I trust in it. I'm acting upon it. I'm taking care of the ground and bears fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. I want you to notice this. God doesn't just want you to have just enough joy to survive. He wants you to have joy and an abundance of it so that it can flow over on other people. God doesn't want you just to have just enough peace to get through the night. He wants you to have enough peace that you're just walking in that place of peace and your peace just kind of spills over at work and it spills over at other people's homes, spills over in the marketplace. People, I have met people that I want to be around them because they carry peace and I need it and I can just feel it when I'm around them. I want to be that person. And when you have the fruit of the Spirit growing 30, 60, 100 in you. It's not just enough peace that you survive. It's enough peace that you're walking in that and it's spilling over on other people around you and the world begins to see your light. How? How do you know you've got an orange tree or an apple tree? Fruit. They start seeing fruit. Kindness when no one else is kind. Long-suffering. You're going through the same stuff they are, but they give up, and you won't. Matter of fact, not only do you not give up, but you still got peace in the middle of it and joy in the middle of it and self-control. You're not going off in a rage over what's happening. You've got self-control, fruit. And people start seeing that, and they get hungry. You know, I, I told Tammy, it's funny. I've always heard the phrase, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. I don't know how true that is or isn't. But I never liked apples that much. The only way I'd ever eat apples as a kid is if you put a lot of salt on it. My grandmother loved to put salt on everything, so I put salt on everything. I know it's strange. Everybody's told me that. But don't knock it till you try it. Although if you have problems with salt, don't try it. I don't have problems with salt. But when I had the flu at the end of December, I craved apples. I don't know why. I just craved them. And so we found those sliced apples. I don't want to go to any trouble to get apple. So I've, th thank goodness at the deli at Walmart, they got them sliced and peeled for you. You just get the slices, man, pull it up, and there you go. You got a sliced apple. So I got it. I got, there's like five, six, seven, eight packets. And so I take a packet a day now. Man, I, I look forward to my apples. I actually, you know, I could actually say I crave them. Have you ever just craved orange juice or something like that? Just craved it I crave ice cream too I don't know if that's as good for you but but you see when something's not right in your heart I've got a feeling I needed something that was in that apple and that's why my body craved it so much that's I'm just being honest if you're thirsty what do you crave water so when people in the world are hurting and sick and broken and famished they start craving when they see, and the more they see fruit, the more your tongue begins to water, your mouth begins to water for that fruit. But if there's no fruit, remember when Jesus came to the fig tree and it had leaves like it would have fruit? So he went to get some fruit off of it, and there was no fruit there, and he cursed the fig tree. And the next day they came and the disciples saw that it was withered up just in that short amount of time and they were amazed and Jesus taught them about faith. But do you notice that when Jesus looked for fruit when there should have been fruit and there was no fruit, it was cursed. I want to have the ground that produces 30, 60, 100-fold fruit where I've got enough for me and flowing over for others that may need fruit in their life. I want to close out with this. I want to talk to you about a trap that we fall into, particularly in, I think, the charismatic church. I think it's good that we believe for God to move. I think that's a, we should always expect God to move. But when we're talking about fruit, and whether we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit or where we're talking about answers to prayer, whether we're talking about nobody in their right mind goes out and plants a seed and expects to get up the next morning and go out and on the ground find, oh, there's an apple. There's an orange. Oh, there's a, yeah, this is great. We all know it doesn't work that way. 
But we sure expect it to work that way in our spiritual lives, don't we? You see, we, we plant that seed of the Word, and we expect to get up by the end of the week and have, oh, yeah, everything's fine at the end of the week or the end of the day. And when we don't see at the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, the end of the day, I mean, we've been working for seven years on this problem we've got. Every day for seven years, we've been getting more and more bitter, more and more angry, feeding our mind with more and more junk, more and more garbage that gets us farther and farther away from God. Seven years we've been working on it, but I'm planting a seed. I expect tomorrow to be everything great. Now, can God do that? Yes. But that is a supernatural miracle, and God's a supernatural God. But the normal scheme of things, you plant the seed, it's in the soil, you want it to get the rain, you want to make sure that you keep the weeds out, and that's something you have to do. That's why most of us don't get fruit. We don't like taking care of the weeds. That's why I don't do any of that kind of stuff, because I guarantee you I don't like taking care of the weeds. So because we don't want to do what's required to get fruit, we'll just accept the failure of the harvest. But you can't afford to take a crop failure when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. We have to have it to be who God's called us to be. And everything you need for that to happen is in the seed of the Word. But we've got to plant it. We've got to keep the predators away. We've got to keep the weeds out. We've got to make sure that it has the water that it needs. And then the hardest part, we've got to be patient. We have to be patient. The farmer's patient waiting for the fruit to come. But don't grow weary in well-doing, Paul told the church at Galatia. For in due season, you will reap if you don't faint, if you don't lose heart, if you don't give up, if you don't quit. Be patient. Wait for that fruit to develop in your life. How it generally works is we've been in the Word We've been in the presence of God. See, by the way, Jesus is the living word. So it's being in God's word, being in God's presence. So we're in the word of God. We're in the presence of God. Sometimes we don't feel like doing it, but we do it anyway. Sometimes we don't feel anything when we do it, but we do it anyway. Sometimes I don't get anything out of it that I can measure, but do it anyway. And so I'm just in the word of God. I'm in the presence of God. And little by little, two or three weeks down the road, I find that a problem comes up that just two or three weeks ago I would have blown my top at. Today... I have peace. What changed? You know, five months ago, somebody comes and does something in my life or somebody shows up in my life that I've had unforgiveness or bitterness towards, but I've been in the Word of God, in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit's dealt with me about forgiveness. I've been praying prayers, releasing that person and praying for that person, and sure enough, there they are. I run right into them at Walmart. Whoa, hello, hey. Last time I ran across you, you were talking about me. I heard you said some things about me weren't really true, too. That's when you find out if the fruit of forgiveness is really there in your life. You look at them and you can say, hey, how you doing? And you can have a conversation. You can walk away saying, you know, I was glad I saw them. It was nice to see them. Fruit. Didn't happen overnight. Matter of fact, God didn't even arrange that meeting for about five months. You know why? Because you weren't ready. But when you were ready, why did he do that? Because he wanted you to see the fruit. Probably wanted them to see it too, to partake of that fruit. Don't be impatient. One of the big reasons that we don't experience the fruit of God is because we give up before the harvest over and over and over and over and over again. Don't be impatient. One last thing before we close. Jesus said, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by what? The Word of God. So the fruit comes from the seed, which is the Word. Again, I want you to get this picture. Everything you need for whatever fruit you want is already in the seed. You don't have to inject in the seed the life-giving properties when you get the seed. You get the seed because it already has the life-giving properties in it. All you have to do with the seed is plant it, nourish it, take care of it, don't give up on it, and you're going to get fruit. That's the way it works. It may take some time, but you're going to get fruit. That's the Word of God. 
Faith comes from hearing and receiving. What? There's that hearing again, isn't it? There it is. Perk up your ears. Tune in to the right channel spiritually. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And what does faith produce? Well, it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. Over and over in the Scriptures, when Jesus would do a miracle, he would look at somebody who had come like the woman with the issue of blood who just said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole after she had suffered from every 12 years with her hemorrhaging and gone to every doctor that was available and spent all her money and become worse, not better. But she said, if I can just, if I, she said to herself, if I can just, then I will be made clean. I'll be made whole. And she does, and, she, and Jesus said to her, like he said to so many others, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. How does faith grow? Through the Word. comes by the Word. The Word. There's that seed again. Everything we need to be everything God's called us to be is in the Word of God. But if you're not in the Word of God, if you're not in the presence of God, how are you going to ever have fruit? So it's so important that we don't disqualify ourselves from a fruitful life by not being in the Word of God and in the presence of God. The Bible says that out of the goodness of a man's heart comes forth good things, or out of the evil, the bad that's in a man's heart comes forth evil things. He says, by their fruit you shall discern or know them. So one translation says actually by the good that's stored up in a good man's heart comes forth good things. Some of us disqualify ourselves because, man, I've heard this so many times before. Oh, man, I've, I've read through the Bible 50 times. Oh, I've, I've heard no telling how many messages. Well, welcome to my world. I'm a preacher's kid. I, I grew up under the pews. I've heard, I, I don't, I've never counted, but I can't, I bet you I've heard multiplied thousands of messages throughout my lifetime. Because my life, my kid, my childhood, and I'll get this out in a minute, you didn't get a choice about, I don't understand choices about going to church. I, well, I do understand, but I'm just saying it's a different world than what I had. We didn't get a choice. You went to church. You went to church no matter what it was going on at church. Prayer meeting, you were at church. Well, you know, worship night, you were at church. Preaching, you were at church. Revival, you were at Back then, we had church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, sometimes for revival. So you were at church Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night for revival. You didn't get a choice. You had homework. You did it before or after. You just did it. If your favorite TV program was on and we didn't have DVRs or anything else, we just you, and you couldn't even watch it later. There wasn't any DVDs or anything else. If you missed it, you missed it. And as far as we knew, we were never going to get a chance to see it again. But you just missed it because you were in church. And I don't know how many words I've heard, but I, and, and I never thought a whole lot about it, but I don't know how many times I've sat across the desk from somebody as a pastor that I never knew I was going to be here in some situation that desperately required something from God and all of a sudden, from somewhere I don't know where I heard it, I can't place a name or a face or a time, here comes a word, not only a scripture, but something I probably heard somebody preach 20 years ago. And it comes, how does that happen? It's not because I'm a preacher or because I'm special. It's because those things are in my heart because they're stored there. So God has something to pull from. If you will store things in your heart, God has something to pull from. And let me promise you, you're going to need it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release this word to you, I believe.